0: Welcome back to The Balancing Act Podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. On The Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we play in our professional lives and learn about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today, we have Adam Mendler joining us. Adam is a serial entrepreneur and is the host of the podcast, 30-Minute Mentors. Adam also teaches at UCLA and is a sought-after keynote speaker and strategic advisor.
1: Welcome to the show, Adam. Andy, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to thank you for having me on your show back in uh, 2021, and uh, it's great to have you on mine. Uh, before we get started, I ask this of all of my guests, please tell our listeners your story.
1: How much time do we have? It's a long story.
0: (laughs) Two minutes. Uh
1: Oh, wow. That's going to be a challenge, Andy. I'm going to do my best here. I'm from Los Angeles, born and raised here. I did my undergrad at USC. Fight on for any Trojans listening. did well academically and, you know, won honors, awards, Phi Beta Kappa, all that good stuff. And As happens when you do well academically, Andy, you've worked in the world of academics for many years, you understand. Sets you up on a certain career trajectory, which in my case meant going and working for what was then the largest hedge fund in the world at the time, $40 billion hedge fund. Moved to New York, worked on Wall Street. From there, got my MBA at UCLA, great school. Interned for two of the biggest companies in the entertainment industry, went and worked for a Fortune Global 150 bank. And when I was in my late 20s, no one was really using the words great resignation, quiet, quitting. They weren't in the dictionary back then. They weren't in the urban dictionary back then. Andy, I don't know if there was an urban dictionary back then, but (laughs) I don't think there was. But I began to realize that this path that I was on consisted of checking a lot of boxes and climbing this ladder, but wasn't bringing me joy, meaning, fulfillment, happiness, the kinds of things that everyone I was talking about. And wound up getting off the train and starting a few different businesses, started them with my brother. So, started a number of different businesses in different industries. And what happened for me along the way, though, was While I was an e-commerce entrepreneur, I actually started to do some writing, and my writing got picked up in different national media outlets and discovered that I really enjoyed that and kept doing more and more of it, and that led me to start an interview series where I started interviewing very prominent leaders across all kinds of backgrounds, and from there, after doing lots of different interviews, came up with the idea for 30-Minute Mentors, 30-minute conversations with the most successful leaders in America. Fast forward, I've now interviewed hundreds and hundreds of the most successful leaders, Fortune 500 CEOs, founders of household name companies, Hall of Fame athletes, generals, admirals, political leaders, you name it. And what I do now is I go around to organizations, all kinds of companies, nonprofits, universities, you name it, and share the best lessons that I've learned from America's top leaders, share insights and advice on how anyone, regardless of where they are in their lives, can become more successful as an individual and as a leader. So that's what I do, and that's a little bit about me and how I got to where I am.
0: Well, thanks for that. We're going to dive into uh, some of those uh, stories that you've learned from, uh, your, from your show. Uh, before we get there, uh, I'd like to ask my guests about the one event in your life that was just a real accelerant uh, for your career. For you, what would that one event be?
1: There, there are quite a few that I could turn to, and I would look at almost go stage by stage. If you go to that story, there are a number of different points, whether whether you want to call them pivot points or however you want to look at them. But a big one for me was leaving corporate America and becoming an entrepreneur. Another one was going all in on my leadership development work, recognizing that running these different businesses and in different industries was something that i was okay at but was that something that i was exceptional at and something that i tell audiences that i speak to is when you're trying to figure out what you want to do you want to try to check three boxes you want to number one do something that you love number two do something that you're great at and number three do something that allows you to make a positive impact in the lives of others and using those two examples When I was working in corporate America, I was okay, but was I doing anything that I love doing? Was I great at it? Was I making real, meaningful, positive impact? Was I checking all three of those boxes? Was I checking any of those boxes? (laughs) And as an entrepreneur, I can tell you, I definitely wasn't checking all three of those boxes, but what I do now, whether I'm going to audiences and giving keynotes, whether I'm creating content through thirty minute mentors, whether I'm teaching classes and making an impact in the classroom. whatever I'm doing, I'm checking those three boxes. And to me, that's what it's all about.
0: That's really cool. so we're we are both educators at heart, and uh, you know it is as an educator, it is very easy to check all three of those boxes. i I agree. Uh, you know let's dive into thirty minute mentors, mentors for just a moment. What's the most important thing you've learned through the process of interviewing all the leaders uh, that you've interviewed?
1: Andy, that's a tough question because I've learned so much and every day I'm learning. I did an interview this morning with the founder of a household name company and I probably learned five things just from that interview. So this week I've, Done. I have, have a lot of interviews this week. I'm home in Los Angeles and recording. I'll be on the road for some speaking engagements in a couple of weeks and won't be recording then. So I'm always learning. And that in and of itself is a key learning, which is that the most successful leaders are lifelong learners. The most successful leaders have a growth mindset. So something that I've learned is that. When I first started the podcast, I thought that my audience would really be emerging leaders, leaders who are in the early innings of their journey, college students, graduate students, early career professionals, mid career professionals. And what I've come to discover is that is very much a core part of my audience. But an equally important part of my audience is senior leaders, established leaders, including many of the most successful leaders in America, including many of my podcast guests. And why is that? Because the most successful leaders are constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to grow, constantly trying to figure out how and where can I gain as much valuable information as possible from And it's that mindset, it's that growth mindset, understanding that no matter how much I know, that's not going to enable me, allow me to become my best self. It's what I'm going to continue to know, continue to learn. And that mindset is what makes the great leaders great. Yeah, thank you for uh, really,
0: really reiterating, uh, that point. Uh, that's, uh, it's, it's awesome to give our listeners that background that the, that even the the most successful leaders that you're interviewing are always learning, always growing. Uh, Adam, let's talk balancing acts. That's the name of the, of the show. Uh, you, you know, you've had, uh, You've had various entrepreneurial opportunities uh, in in your life, uh, building multiple businesses. If we focus on the balancing acts that entrepreneurs play, uh, what's the most important balancing act that uh, that uh, somebody who wants to take the entrepreneurial route needs to consider before diving
1: in? It's a great question, and it's a very complex question. And I'm sure that as you ask that question to different guests, you get lots of different perspectives. I've asked a lot of America's most successful leaders about this topic, balance. Can you attain balance? And if so, how? And I've heard a lot of different perspectives on it. And my perspective is that balance is something that is hard to attain, uh, if you are very driven, if you're very focused, if you're very motivated toward reaching big, ambitious goals, but maybe the goal isn't balance. Maybe the goal is how you want to spend your time. Are you in something that uh, perspective that I picked up that I really enjoy is what are you doing with your time? How are you spending your time? Are you spending your time doing things that fuel you, that energize you? that restore you or are you doing things that drain you that suck the life out of you the other big part of it is prioritization which is at the end of the day as an entrepreneur there's only so much time in the day and there are in you know literally a, a endless number of things that we can do that we need to do. My to-do list every day as I go through it and as I knock th- things off of it only gets longer. So how do you manage that? How do you live in a world where what gets on our plate only, get, only grows? And the answer to me is prioritization. The answer to me is recognizing that You're not going to be able to do everything. You're not going to be able to, as much as you want to, get everything done. So what are you going to be able to get done? What's most important to you? And I've learned from great leaders who put things in a matrix where it's, you know, what is the highest priority and most urgent? What from there is what is high priority, but not urgent? What is not high priority, not urgent? So there are lots of different ways you can look at it. But I think the most important thing is understanding that you can't have it all. You can't do it all. It's not possible. But what matters most to you and why? Another big concept here is what is your definition of success? So what does success mean to you? Success can mean something totally different to you, Andy than what it means to me, than what it means to one of your listeners, what it means to another one of your listeners. And a lot of that will define how you attack this question of balance. So if your definition of success is, I want to be a great dad, I want to be a great uncle, I want to be a great spouse, I want to be a great little league coach, I want to be a great this, I want to be a great that, well, you're going to channel your energy toward that. And that's great because you're going to be attaining real meaningful success. If your definition of success is I want to have the biggest bank account, I want to drive the nicest car, I want to have the biggest house, I'm not here to judge you. That's great. But that's going to dictate a lot of how you channel your energy and your focus. And a lot of it comes down to setting clear goals because when you have clear goals, you're going to be a lot more likely to attain them.
0: Yeah, th- thank you for uh, you know shining a light on that uh, on the prioritization issue. Because as an entrepreneur, you're almost by definition out of balance, uh, and and striving uh, toward balance uh, is is uh, in my opinion one of the main goals, and absolutely prioritization clarity. Uh, Of vision and goal setting is is absolutely critical. We're going to take a really short commercial break and we'll be right back with Adam Mendler. Hi, I'm Andy Tempty. Over the past 35 years, I've learned a lot about business leadership and I'd like to share those lessons with you. Ask yourself, How do I create an effective, sustainable management operating system? How do I design smooth workflows to better serve the customer? How do I balance organizational trust with accountability? The Balanced Business describes the practical, step-by-step process you need to answer these questions. Order your copy today, wherever books are sold. And we're back with Adam Mendler talking about the world of leadership and entrepreneurship. Uh, Let's talk about your experiences as a faculty member at UCLA. I'm I'm fascinated uh, by teachers in general and specifically what you're doing there. What is the key feature that differentiates your course at UCLA, what you're doing there from all the other leadership and teamwork courses at universities across the country. What makes your programs unique?
1: I can't speak for every other course around the country because I haven't sat in on every other course around the country. Yeah, I did go to business school for six years, so it's a long time to go to business school. I don't teach in business school, but I do teach leadership classes in two different graduate programs. I could tell you about my approach to teaching. I could tell you about what I bring to the classroom, which is very similar to my podcast. I try to equip students with real world learning. I bring in a lot of leaders. I bring in some guests who are on my podcast and I bring in lots of other people who I know who I believe can share really important lessons with students from their personal and professional experiences. Try to give students a really broad range of perspectives from people who have been there, done that, attained tremendous success in lots of different ways. And I marry that with my own perspective, with my own insights. And when speakers come in, they talk, I Try to pull out information. I try to facilitate conversations, but I also give students a platform to ask whatever questions they have. And students are very curious. Students ask lots of great questions, and um, yeah. So I try to incorporate different methods of learning, but those are a few. So it is a very unique approach to teaching. I can tell you that when I was a student at USC, my freshman year, I had a course, literally the first class I took in college. It was a course taught by someone by the name of Jim Ellis. He later became the dean of USC Business School. And he told us, I have good news and bad news. The good news is this is the best class you're ever going to take. The bad news is this is the best class you're ever going to take. So it's all downhill from here. (laughs) He was right because what he did was every week he brought in, this was a long time ago, so I might get the facts slightly wrong, but I want to say every week he brought in either a president or a CEO of a company who was a USC alumni or a former president or CEO of a company who was a USC alumni. And that was incredible. That was an incredible learning experience for me. As a freshman in college. And I took that with me. And I'm like, man, I would love to emulate this. When I got my MBA at UCLA, the best class that I took was a class taught by, may he rest in peace, the former mayor of Los Angeles, Richard Reardon. And Richard Reardon, every class brought in a different speaker who was one of his friends. And that speaker was... A major business leader. He brought in Eli Broad. He brought in, blah. You know, like uh, Ron Meyer. The lots of big time people. It was great. Loved it. And that's what I try to do for my students. I try to take my favorite classes and and add my own flavor to it. So I've gotten feedback from some of my students that. Uh, we really love your the speakers and that's a big aspect and keep doing that. But hey, we want more of you. You add another flavor to it. So I try to do that as well. But uh, another piece that I really try to add to my class, um, which the departments I teach in are very big on, which I really appreciate, is feedback. Something that uh, I've heard over and over and over again from Many of the great leaders who I've interviewed, the power of feedback, did an, did an interview with Bill George, the former CEO of Medtronic, and Bill told me, feedback is the breakfast of champions. I told Bill, I thought Wheaties was the breakfast of champions, but <laughs> feedback is the breakfast of champions. And in my class, we use a lot of feedback, formal feedback, informal feedback. I'm constantly asking students, what do you like? What do you not like? And a lot of it comes down to being able to cultivate enough trust and enough of a personal relationship with your students so that they feel comfortable to be able to tell you, hey, I like this. I don't like this. This is going well. This isn't going well. This is great. This can be improved. And, and then also doing it anonymously, doing it through, through the department, doing it through One of the classes, I have a TA, doing it through the TA. So just continually collecting feedback, seeking feedback through formal and informal sources. I've been teaching now for, as of today's recording, three years. But every time I teach, I'm just always trying to understand what can I do better? How can I improve? How can I make this class? No matter how much the students like it, how can... It'd be an even better experience.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, you know bringing those experts into your class. I'm sure your students are are, are the better for it. Uh, we 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 also talk a lot about mentorship on this show, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on. Uh, let's go back to your your podcast. Uh, if you had to select just one or two of the most kind of the, the biggest light bulb moments that you've had in those, in your interviews uh, with the executives you've had on the show, what would some of those light bulb moments be?
1: Man, Andy, that's, that's a really tough question. I've (laughs) literally released as of today's recording, I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but as of today's recording, I've released, 195 episodes. So I'm not sure that I could boil it down to one or two, but if you pick a topic, I might be able to throw something at you.
0: Uh, Employee engagement.
1: Yeah. um, That's a great one. I literally did an interview yesterday uh, with a CEO. Interview is going to run sometime this fall. And something that we spoke about was how do you engage employees in this virtual landscape where he's a leader of a very prominent, he's a leader of a multi-billion dollar company that has been an innovator in the um, virtual healthcare space. And question that I asked was, how do you engage employees in this virtual setting? How do you, as a leader, ensure that you're a leader and not a laggard when you're trying to build culture in a virtual setting? And I've explored this topic with a number of other leaders. So how do you do it? Um, And the interesting thing, Andy, is that it fundamentally comes down to the core principles of effective leadership. Something that was a key theme in that conversation, and a key theme in so many of our conversations. The importance of communication. As a leader, you can certainly under-communicate, but you can't over-communicate. Being present, being there in a virtual setting, in an impersonal, in an, and in an, and excuse me, and in an in-person setting you always have to show up, but in a virtual setting, you especially have to show up, right? You have to ensure that people know you're there. So constantly holding activities, bringing in speakers, holding town halls, doing whatever you need to do, but fundamentally ensuring that you're there, you're present. So going back to the core principles of effective leadership and we can go into some of those if you're interested, but that's a big one. So a lot of it is the basics, just basic blocking and tackling. Yeah. So I don't Uh, know, you throw a different topic at me. I can jump into it for you.
0: No, I think that, I think that's great. Uh, You know, leaving it right there that it is the basic blocking and tackling that a lot of managers who want to be leaders, uh, just kind of forget about uh, and, uh, you know, assume that you say something, talking about communication, say something once and expect that everybody's going to get it. Uh, that's one of the biggest leadership flaws that there is out there. But but it happens over and over and over and over again. Leaders fall down routinely by just not showing up. So I, I, I think that's uh, that's fantastic, Adam. Um, now, a couple of as we start to end the show, a couple of quick lightning round uh, questions for you. What's the best non-monetary investment you've ever made that's positively contributed to your overall well-being?
1: Working out, working out, eating right. Can't substitute that, can you? Nice.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I interviewed a a, a gal uh, earlier this month, who her answer to this question was
1: walking. Yeah, yeah, that's just I, that, I try to walk.
0: Just that space to you know to create the space to think and to be uh, in our busy harried world. So,
1: yeah, I try to walk as much as possible. I try to trade. Zooms for calls so I could walk rather than staring at a screen. I'm a big believer in just moving around and getting out there. And that's critical, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you, how, no matter how young you are.
0: Well, Adam, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your insights uh, for our guests. Uh, Please find Adam Mendler uh, in his podcast, uh, 30 Minute Mentors, uh, wherever wherever you're getting your podcasts. Uh, Again, Adam, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you, Andy. It was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you to your listeners.
0: So my name is Andy Tempe. This is the Balancing Act podcast. Please like, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share this show uh, with your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, anybody that you uh, want to help learn and grow, because that's what we're all about here. Thanks, and have a great day.